Welcome back to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by the second half of The Double Act, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, Fight fans. How are you? I have missed you. What have you been up to? Just hustling in the MMA game. How about you, G? Um, the same. It's been quite a week after last week. It was so busy, so it's finally slowed down just a little bit that I have more time to breathe. So I've been keeping up with some stuff. I actually started Paige Van Zandt's new book, and I am really liking it. It's been very um, it's very interesting to get a get in touch with her story. It's been really cool. But yeah, it's been very busy. Fans, today's episode is just extravaganza because in the last week we have had UFC, Bellator, Combate Americas. We have the new, the debut of the new season of The Ultimate Fighter. So there is just so much to go over across the MMA board. Kayla, are you ready for today's show? I'm definitely ready. And gee, I know we're not going to discuss Combate too much, um, but one, I had so much fun at my first combate event but also i read that they did, had better ratings than um bellator's last event so they're uh, the article had said maybe they're the number two promotion that people should start looking out for i mean it really is they put in so much work i've had the pleasure of being around them for many events and um i could tell you from a media standpoint they do a great job of um I'll put it this way. They give me way better access than Bellator or any of the other major promotions that I've been around. And um, I think that's a testament to the hard work that their team puts in and just the growth that they have. And they have a lot of men and women really passionate about their jobs over there. And I think that's why they do so well. Um, Fans, if you haven't seen it yet, I had post-fight interviews with so many fighters. Jose Aldaya, who won the main event against the winningest fighter in the organization. Gabriel Green and I had a dance-off that Miss Fangirl MMA might have captured a little bit. So, a lot of stuff. Also, in attendance, Brian T-City Ortega. I got to talk to him about his upcoming fight with Max Holloway and what it's like to FaceTime Iron Man. So... Definitely check that out on MMAencaged.net. Kayla, though, I'm I'm almost disappointed that we've had to wait so long for a show because I've been dying to talk to you about this one. Obviously, the big fight that we just got past was UFC Glendale on Saturday. Just straight up, what did you think of the fight between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje? Yeah, well, this is one that I had to watch a second time because while it was going on, it was just too exciting that, like, it was hard to watch all of the technical, amazing, crazy stuff that was going on. Um, But, yeah, it lived up to all the hype that people, you know, were were surrounding around it and expecting. Um, There's a reason why Justin Gaethje gets these main events and has come in and, and made such a big statement in the UFC is, he has that exciting style. He has that pace and is just so freaking tough that you know you're going to get – he pulls it out of other fighters, which, I mean, Dustin Poirier also has a crazy pace and is super tough too, but he just really pulls something out of those fighters to give you that fight of the night or give you that main event big show. What was your initial reaction to the fight? What did you think? 
Well, first off, I got to give full credit to Justin Gaethje because only a beast like Justin would dare to attempt my signature move, the tomahawk, inside <laughs> the cage to close out the second round. I, I always tell you, I don't, there almost isn't a word for this technique that I have just have patented. But only a beast like Justin Gaethje would try to do the somersault part of it and attempt to complete it. Now, he is working very hard, so I'm not going to knock him for it. But he didn't connect with it, so I can't give him the perfect 10. But I'm going to give him a 9.9 for the, you know, for the willingness to try it. But, um, yeah, as advertised, and that is saying something because they were expected to put on a fight of the year. And I'm going to say this. Of Justin Gaethje's three fights in the octagon now, I think this one was easily the most exciting. The Michael Johnson fight was fun. So was the Eddie one. This was the one that I felt was so much more back and forth. It lasted the longest. And I think you really had more drama because felt like Justin Gaethje was maybe starting to finally wear down Dustin Poirier going into the fourth. I think that the real key to it was Dustin Poirier's destructive capability i think that just tit for tat his shots do a lot more damage and he is a little more precise than the last few guys that justin gaethje has fought now obviously you got to give justin credit he took a lot more hits than probably anyone else in the lightweight division could really handle from dustin but the fact is you really saw that accumulation um, the eye pokes did slow things down. It was a little concerning because we thought we don't want this fight to stop because of a reason like that. So I appreciated the ref just keeping them in check for, if anything, just to say, hey, guys, y'all are in a good one. Don't have it end like this because you guys can't close your gloves. So I think that was something to be said. But uh, yeah, full credit to Justin for his heart. But Dustin Poirier had a great game plan, and he just stuck to it. He just wore him down, wore him down. And that left hand finally connected, and it was the beginning of the end. Yeah, no, he did. He came out with a great game plan. And, you know, I think he's one of those fighters that obviously is, you know, continuing to grow and evolve with his technique, you know, using those long combos. And going into round one, he already had 38 strikes to the head, just to Justin's head alone. So, yeah, adding to what you said, I mean, Justin just started taking a lot of damage. But then we also have to talk about the leg kicks. Those leg kicks were pretty brutal, and I think Justin Poirier's next homework that he needs to do is learn how to check those leg kicks more. Because didn't he have another fight where his leg was, like, almost done? I want to say it was the Jim Miller fight. I don't. I don't think he ate a lot of leg kicks. I think that he injured the shin somewhere in that fight. But it was starting to have the same effect. He was really compromised in terms of his movement. And I agree. I think that um maybe he felt like he wanted to really stand his ground when Justin came forward and counter him, which was working. But obviously he took a lot of damage to the leg along the way. But um. Yeah, uh, there's a lot we could talk about. Some people, I mean, I think we'll save the topic for another day, but the question did revolve. Is Justin Gaethje burning the candle at both ends with his style? Like, should he fight a little smarter so he could have a longer career? That's certainly a valid point, and I'd like us to hold on to that for another day because we have such a loaded show. I want to ask you, Kayla, Dustin Poirier, uh, one, I got to say, He's always been that guy. He gets on a great run. He's got great skills on the feet, great skills on the ground. 
but he always seems to have that setback every time he's about to step up to real title contention. And in this one, I feel like he kind of exercised those demons. I was very happy for him in that way. And the question now, with everything going on at lightweight, will Connor get suspended? How long until Tony Ferguson comes back? Where do you put Dustin Poirier in the title picture? I mean, he's definitely close. And I think, you know, he's put in the experience and been fighting, you know, with the promotion for so long. And he just put away and finished. It's not like it went to decision. He finished, you know, an exciting guy who was undefeated for, you know, most of his career. So I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe one fight away from, but again, there's just too much to figure out with those top two or three guys. So it it sucks because he's in a place where he is looking really great and looking like he's ready for a title shot, but unfortunately the politics are playing into it. So I, I don't know what the best move to be. I guess right now sit back and wait and see how that drama unfolds, but yeah, I think he's one fight away, if not, like, you know, should be in the top for the next shot at the champ. To me, I think it comes to, you. like you said, you just got to wait. Um, from what I've been reading from a lot of people, they're saying that even though Conor McGregor's actions were obviously detestable, there's it's very hard to get a case to say that you're going to be able to send him away for an extended period of time. Um, legally, which means, of course, it's up to the UFC if they are going to personally take disciplinary action. We all know that at the end of the day, it is a business. So can the UFC afford to turn away Conor McGregor at a time when they really are hurting for pay-per-view stars? That's going to be the question. Um, I think that Tony Ferguson looks to be out a while. If I've seen his videos on Instagram, and yes, he's in good spirits, but the fact is... It looks like he had a pretty major surgery on his leg after the injury. So I don't see him coming back soon. So to me, if Habib doesn't fight Conor McGregor around the summer, if they don't figure if they don't figure this out by, let's say, late June, maybe July, I think it's safe to say that Dustin Poirier is going to get the next nod. And Tony Ferguson probably has to take on someone else as a bit of a tune-up. So I think that barring you know, something happening, I think that Poirier has to wait on Connor. If they decide to do action against Connor, then I think Dustin Poirier gets the shot. Eddie Alvarez has looked good, but if I'm being honest, I think that these last two, Poirier has just looked outstanding. And even though that first fight with Eddie was controversial, a no contest, I think Dustin Poirier has moved on past it, and I think he's ahead for a title shot, if not Connor McGregor. What about you? Do you have someone, do you have a way that it could play out differently, you think? Uh, No, like I said, I think that they just got to wait and figure out what the top two or three guys are doing. But I think that if they wanted that Eddie Alvarez rematch, they should have done it before this fight. I agree completely. Um, I think that's just, uh, I think that was a business move that just didn't play out for Eddie. I think he may have been a little confident that either Tony or Habib wouldn't make the fight. He just didn't expect it to come down to the wire, and I think that's why he was maybe a little unprepared. But, um, yeah, certainly a lot of matchmaking to happen. And also, this coming Saturday's winner will look to figure into that picture also. We'll get into that at the end of the show. Kayla, the co-main event, Carlos Condit versus Alex Oliveira. 
if the main event wasn't so good, we'd probably be buzzing a lot more about this one. What did you think of this fight? Yeah, I mean, I only got to watch the main card, but every fight was pretty exciting to me. Um, you know, I think that it was, a, yes, a very exciting fight. And it sucks because I know that, you know, we're going to get into is Carlos done? Um, you know, has he, because what is he on, like a four fight, a losing streak um, or close to that, maybe more? Um but I don't know. He he gave us a good fight. I think that he looked – he had really great movement in there. He looked loose. He, um, you know, was working well off his back when Oliver just was – I don't know. He's so powerful and got that ta- a couple of those takedowns. But I thought Carlos looked good. I think what it really came down to is, you know, he happened to get caught with that um, up The upkick? Yeah, and I think that's really what shook him – to where, you know, he left his neck exposed. Because, wait, let me look at my notes so I can remember. He, um, how did he get, did he lose by guillotine? Or what yeah, did he lose by? that guillotine that just seemed to last forever. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I don't think that it was, you know, a smoke show where, where Oliveira completely dominated him. I think that Carlos had his moments. But, yeah, Oliveira obviously, you know, went in there with a good game plan. He also, too... You know, sometimes fighters, like, you could just tell, like, they're having a good day at work. They're having a good night. I feel like Oliveira just, like, was ready to find those openings and just was, like, on it. What did you think? No, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, <laughs> look, you got to remember, Alex took this fight um, roughly two weeks before when Matt Brown pulled out. That is not a lot of time to prepare for a guy as multifaceted, as dangerous as Carlos Condit, but he was just all systems go, and I think that really goes to show. I agree with you. Carlos, look, he looked twice as good as he did against Neil Magny. He just Uh seemed to be on it, his volume. He was making adjustments in there. I think it was just really Alex Oliveira found the right openings and was able to capitalize. And I agree, it was on the upkick. If you remember, Carlos once or twice was able to catch Alex, but the difference was in that second round, Carlos actually was trying to come down to land um, ground and pound. So he actually had his own momentum going down as he ran into Alex's kick coming upwards. So it was double the force. Yeah, so it was double the force than just if Carlos was kind of flailing his kick back up toward Alex. So you got to take that into account. He played it off like the gangster he is. But the fact is, he was in a bad position. Alex, good job. I really thought that was a last ditch effort because I had Carlos winning that round. I think that had Alex not completed it, he probably would have not had any gas left in his arms. And we probably would have seen Carlos cruise to a decision from there. But the fact is, he was able to get good enough leverage, a good enough squeeze on the neck, and he got the job done to finish Carlos Condit. I mean, Kayla, like you said, he is on a four-fight losing streak, and he did have this very poignant post on Instagram saying he does still love the sport, but he is also realistic. Has it has his time just kind of passed? I was... I remember they had the 25 greatest fights recently, right? And one of them that they had honorable mention was his fight with Robbie Lawler. Uh He was like 
five minutes. That that fifth round was the only one. He was like five minutes away from becoming the undisputed welterweight champion. He obviously lost that decision. He gets submitted by Damian Maya, and suddenly he's like talking about retirement. And I'm like, this is a guy who six months ago was about to become champion. So yeah. that. 180 has been really stunning to say the least. I think he's got a lot of fight in him, but I also acknowledge that I think for Carlos, it is about being the best. And if he doesn't feel like realistically he can actually get to another title shot, especially in this welterweight division, then I understand if maybe he feels like this isn't something he wants to keep at if he's not going to be able to get there while he's still in good years of his career. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think he's one of those people that's very open about he takes those losses really hard. And, you know, we're all our own, you know, worst critics. And I think he's just a little bit more vocal about the thoughts that are going on in his head. And maybe like you're saying, he holds himself to a high standard of if I can't get to the top five or get to the top three or get to that title shot, you know, why, why would he want to put himself through all the emotional and physical, you know, wear and tear that you, you put yourself in when you're, when you're fighting. Um, I don't know. I mean, if this is his last fight, I don't think that it's because I think that even though he's on this losing streak, I look at it differently where it's not like the sport, you know, shoved him out. It's definitely like him walking out because like we're saying, he just, you know, only wants to do this if he thinks that he can perform at the highest level. I think that this was a great fight showing that he's still very capable of competing. Um, and maybe it is, you know, maybe he should go somewhere else where the competition or just the division he's in isn't so stacked because again, too, Unfortunately, he's in a division that if you are on that four fight losing streak, there's a lot of other guys that are just doing super well right now. Um, but I thought he performed really well. I thought it was a great, ex you know, very exciting fight. So I, I think that I hope that he at least will watch that tape back and get that from it and not be so hard on himself. I agree. Um, really, he, like you said, he represented himself well. If this is it, he has nothing to be ashamed of. I think um, if he really wanted to, I would be okay seeing him fight this Saturday. He is that kind of fighter and he brings that kind of skills and he is still a competitive guy. So I think that it is something to be said that if he goes out, it's on his terms, not because he can't still get in there with some of the best and really throw down. So That's something to really acknowledge for Condit at this time. Um, for Alex Oliveira, real quick, I am excited to see what's next for him. I think that, um, look, he doesn't have the most stellar record, but after that war with Yancy Medeiros and now this one, um, you got to think that he's going to be a marquee attraction on the next card because the UFC is seeing that not only can he bring it, but he could hold his own with some of the best. So that's uh -huh. something to keep an eye on. Moving on, our final fight to recap from UFC Glendale, Michelle Watterson versus yes. Courtney Casey. Yes. Okay. <laughs> How did you score this fight? Because I'm I knew you were going to ask me this when I was like, when I was, um, you know, going over our overview, I knew you were going to ask me how I scored it. I didn't watch this one back again because I had already watched it twice. Um, but I, I knew I should have watched it a third time just to think about scoring because this was such a controversial um, you know, fight with, with the decision that was made. 
I I don't have a score for you, but I do have a question for you after you give us your scores because there was a tweet that was sent out. Basically, the question I'm going to have for you is a guy, I forgot which fighter tweeted, but he said, hey, again, with the judging and, and you know, way that we score fights, if someone is on top but still consistently defending submissions, shouldn't she lose because she's technically not being dominant on top? She's defending herself the whole time. So uh, while you give us how you scored that, take that into consideration. I want to hear your opinion on that statement. To be honest, that's exactly why I scored it the way I did. I actually oh, had it three round zero Casey. It is not that Watterson wasn't finding moments. It wasn't that she wasn't doing a few things well and defending excellently. To me, it was about the fact that she never got any offense going. Uh It is a fight. And at the end of the day, the point to win a fight is to do the most damage. Yes, Watterson did not let herself get submitted. She kept trying to compete. But at the end of the day, Casey was the one walking her down. Casey was the one trying to take off her arm, switch and go for the other arm, switch for the triangle. She was the one attacking the fight. Yeah. Yes. And so that's why even though Watterson was in there, I didn't feel like she was the one putting Casey in a position that I would call, you know, for want of a better word, trouble. I felt like Casey was the one being able to do what she wanted. And I think that's why I scored it the way I did. Um, I respect the fact that Watterson did defend all those submissions. I'm not saying she didn't do a good job there. She certainly did a good job of slowing down Casey with the takedowns. It's just I didn't feel like she did enough in those positions. Like, put it this way. Is it more impressive if you lay on top or if you're defending submissions but you never actually throw any punches? That's kind of where I was at in terms of Michelle Watterson's work. Um, I did get some heat for it. I had some fans say, like, well, she was on top for this many minutes. But did she do damage? And that was the one where I scored it that way. So that's how I saw the fight. What about you? Did you, when you watched it both times, did you see it and say, oh, yeah, Karate Hottie took the decision? I mean, I think that this is definitely, whenever, you know, the way the the scoring system and the way that fights are judged when we have that conversation of, hey, maybe we should change some things on how, you know, how we determine who's winning. Um, this is a perfect example of if they need a few fights to be like, well, where has the judging gotten kind of weird where people, you know, found it controversial. This is a great example of a fight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I, I didn't really want to look at it as far as scoring and from that point of view, because I just really enjoyed the fight so much. I think that, both ladies were in such a cool place. Well, not a cool place, but it was cool to watch them overcome being in this place of obviously Michelle was experiencing being on, you know, a big losing streak for her. Courtney was coming off of a fight that, you know, some people called, you know, not that exciting. And I think both ladies really showcased, you know, whether or not it was a dominant performance from on top, but either way they showcased that they have skill and heart in there. I mean, the submission attempts that Courtney kept throwing at her, the way that Michelle was defending, I mean, it was so exciting. And I like teared up at the end when Courtney yelled that loud scream of like, 
fuck, I didn't get the submission because she, you know, didn't want it to go to decision and she wanted to, you know, tap her out with the arm bar so badly. It was just such a cool fight for me. So um, I totally hear what you're saying, G, and obviously you're not alone if other people were feeling like Courtney completely dominated that fight. And I, I hope that one day they kind of figure out how they can better judge these situations that happen in fights sometimes. I noticed you still did not tell me who you think won, but I'm going to give you that pass. I just told you I wasn't watching it from that point of view. I was watching it just as a fan enjoying the fights. All right, all right. So you're cool if it was scored either way, though. Can I yes, take that? Yes, I'm neutral. Okay, all right. I mean, you're going to just play Switzerland and let them, you know, destroy me in the comments. I get how it is. <laughs> Forgive me for being willing to stand by my decision, but um, no, it was a great fight. Um, I'm looking forward to both of them. I think both showed why the strawweight division is easily the most competitive for the women, and this is another reason why. They're two people you don't think as immediate title contenders, but they clearly put on a show, so a lot of positives to pull from that. Um, there was a, it was just a great card. Um, I forget, I can't say his last name right now, but uh, Alex from... Sweden, Switzerland, with the Omoplata, the only the second in UFC history. That one was sick. I was a fan of that. Just he looked when he pulled that off. He kind of popped up and looked shocked himself. Like, did that really just happen? It was like, like, oh yeah. man, I didn't think I could actually do that in competition. <laughs> and he was losing that one. So props to him. He got the job done well. I was impressed. So it was a good card for sure. And on Fox, I think that's how you get more money into this thing. You put guys like Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje on Fox, you'll you'll pay off $4.2 billion like that. Moving on, there was still a lot of MMA action. While you and I were watching things like Amanda Serrano make her boxing debut, uh-huh. Bellator was in action with Michael Chandler and Brandon Gertz. Kayla, what did you think of this one? Because it was actually a lot more fun than I think people were expecting. Yeah, I mean, this one was obviously a a tricky fight and just kind of weird fight because Brandon Gertz had to step up and replace, you know, the rematch that everyone wanted to see. But I really, um, you know, thought that was cool how Michael was recognizing that Brandon was a tough contender and appreciated that he stepped in like he did. I thought it was really interesting how Michael Chandler had another funky ankle twist. Did you catch that? I know I don't know if you're listening to the broadcast. They caught it too, but they kind of slowed it down, and he had another weird ankle twist where we were like, oh, shoot, I hope this doesn't happen again. I um, mean, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I, I mean, he's got a – he needs to go in there with some ankle tape or something, to be honest. I, that yeah. That is a concern to me. Um to me, I was very impressed with Brandon's game plan. Nothing to lose, and he knew just um, low stance, make it hard for Chandler to shoot in. Uh-huh. And every time Chandler came forward, just kind of swung at him like a buzzsaw. <laughs> in those first few minutes, you could tell Chandler didn't want any of it. He didn't want to get in there and exchange and make it a brawl. He was trying to find his spots, and Brandon made it very difficult. I was very impressed with the strategy and the way he implemented it in those first few minutes. That being said, one thing I always say about Michael Chandler is he's had a lot of curveballs thrown at him. Uh-huh. He is always very well prepared physically. You could tell he puts in the road work to be ready for a cage fight. And he showed exactly why he's one of the top guys in Bellator. 
gets that takedown, and from there, it's all systems go, just gets that um, finish. I was impressed with him. Um, look, if it was an issue with the ankle, he played it off very well. So I think it was just really you got to acknowledge good preparation. Also, I give him credit. Whatever happened, I have to imagine he's been taking care to make sure if something else tweaks, it doesn't get as serious. So he has that IQ that tells me he's avoiding problems like that. So I, I'm not going to read too much into it at this particular time. What about you? What did you think of the finish? And also, what's next for Michael Chandler? Yeah, well, I mean, that finish just tied him with Gochi and I think Marshine held for the most submission wins. Um, you know, he's he just – this is why I think people, you know, will um, – they'll say with Bellator, it's just like the divisions, um, you know, there's only a few that are stacked with, with fighters competing at a high level. Michael Chandler is one of those guys that's just setting the bar so high. I mean, he's an amazing athlete. Um but yeah, just like you broke down the fight, I was also very impressed with how Gertz went in there. Um, you know, he looked like he had some power behind those shots. I definitely think that, you know, in a, in another situation um, against somebody else, we can, you know, see a nice finish for Gertz too, because there was definitely power in those shots. But Michael, like you said, is just so well prepared and such a so dominant too. You know, not only with his wrestling, obviously, and, and on the ground, but just overall, he's such a well-rounded fighter. I think what's next is, you know, I, I do. He's he's very worthy of getting that title shot again. So I know there's a lot of drama surrounding this fight. It almost feels like the Khabib versus Tony and Bellator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Primus and Chandler. But I I don't really see any other fight for him right now unless it's just more of an opponent that's going to be stylistically fun to watch i think he's deserving of that title shot what do you think well the tricky thing about it is um he acknowledged that his bellator deal is gonna finish very soon Mm -hmm. um he signed only a two-year deal and apparently it's coming up he said he fully intends to stay with bellator but um when i spoke with him he acknowledged that hey at the end of the day i gotta make the best business decision for me and yes i am aware that i could bring some value to negotiate if i wanted to deal with ufc so he is in that very rare spot i think that um look i I watched his post fight scrum and someone asked him do you have a message for brent premise and he in a very serious voice was like who (sighs) i mean is he a jujitsu guy or something I think, personally, I think that guy is very over the Brent Primus fight. I think he feels he's the better fighter. I feel like he doesn't feel the need to have to put in the work to prove he's the better fighter. And I think the reason he's so attached to Bellator, even though he could be a big-name free agent, is because he knows that Bellator is going to give him the opportunities immediately that UFC won't. You, If he goes to UFC, they're probably not interested in him moving up to welterweight and trying to be two-division right off the bat. Bellator, they are probably ready to have him fight Rory McDonald if there's no other available option. That's something that, at this stage of his career, he probably wants to do more than just, say, only fight the lightweights at UFC. I think he wants something that he could really hang his legacy on, and I think that's why the welterweight options that you know Bellator will welcome Mm -hmm. are the reason they are the more appealing option to him. And also, you got to think about it. 
what is the worst case scenario? A fight for a championship? That's not a bad deal for any fighter. So I understand why Michael wants to stay in Bellator. Yeah, I think there's loyalty there. And like you said, an opportunity. And I think that, you know, say he does just continue to, you know, get through everyone in his current division. If you have opportunity to move up to another division and get exciting fights, because one thing he did say in his post-fight interview is he's in his prime right now. So it's not like he wants to sit there and just keep defending his belt, you know, in rematches. So I think that it'd be wise for him to stay with Bellator. I think Bellator knows that they'd be losing a really great fighter and a big draw to their promotion if uh, they lost Chandler. So I don't see them, you know, not offering him something wonderful. <laughs> oh, I agree. He's he's due to get paid either way. And deserves it. Yes, very true. He's one of their most exciting guys. He's the one who's been putting in work while Bellator was having to find other people. I think you got to respect that. Another couple of exciting guys. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Since you want to do my job, take it away. (laughs) No, no, you wanted it. Introduce the co-main event from Bellator. All right. So we had a very exciting co-main event, AJ McKee versus Justin Lawrence. Um, two very impressive strikers. G, what did you think of the fight? Um, look, Justin Lawrence, a tough guy who was not afraid to try to take out the homegrown golden boy of Bellator. But AJ McKee, um, I think you got to acknowledge that when you talk about the next generation fighter, he's uh-huh. another one of those guys really carrying the torch. What impresses me is his fundamentals. He is not afraid to go for the spins or flashy kicks or elbows or stuff like that, but he sets it up with great fundamentals, a good base for defending takedowns, and his jab. He was able to get in behind that long reach of his Uh and really be very effective with it. That's something that, quite frankly, you don't always see from guys like, say, Yair Rodriguez, who also has a flashy arsenal but doesn't set him up as cleanly. I like that AJ has that fundamental base because it clearly opens up the rest of his game. And I think that was the key. He was always going to be a little faster than Justin Lawrence. He just had to set him up well. And he did that for three rounds in that fight. What did you think of the performance? Yeah, I mean, to credit Justin Lawrence, he, you know, all three rounds was just putting on that pressure and definitely trying to throw in and he landed a couple of nice, you know, body kicks and I think a couple strikes to the head, but um, yeah, just like you're saying, what I really enjoyed is once I think AJ found his range, found, you know, found, was comfortable in there. It's just so fun to see a fighter that feels confident enough and wants to put on a good show to where he's going to try these flashier or a little bit more dangerous strikes, because that's what we want. We want an exciting, young, hungry fighter. So yeah, very nice display of technique. Um, there's a reason why he's undefeated. I think that this was a great fight for him to take. Again, you know, he credited how Justin Lawrence has been around for a while and was a tough fight. Um, I'm excited to see Justin Lawrence compete against, uh, compete against somebody else, too. I mean, he definitely has that kickboxing background and, and can provide some, you know, exciting fights there, too. But I think AJ's just on a nice run and... Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I want to see him continue beating guys and get to that title shot. But there is one guy he has in mind that he keeps calling out. Um, we have 
why did I just blank on his name right now? Oh my James goodness. Gallagher. Thank you, James Gallagher. <laughs> no, um, the thing about it, look, when you're at 11-0 in a promotion, I feel like that is kind of time to start asking for some bigger fights. That being said, featherweight champ uh, Patricky Pitbull is fighting Daniel Wakel. Both of them have 30, more than 30 fights between them. Uh-huh. So I understand that Bellator just... I know they they want to take more time with AJ. I think he's ready for a bigger fight, but James Gallagher, they have some heat going into it. James is 7-0 from Ireland. He's got a bit of the Conor McGregor thing going on in terms of wanting to talk some trash and make a big fight. If AJ is pumped for it and James wants it, I think that's more than enough reason. I don't see a lot of more big fights left for AJ. I think at this point it's kind of like, how many more do you want him to knock down before you just give him that shot? Um, Pitbull is a tough champion. I foresee him being the guy that AJ would have to face for the title, but who knows? Um, a lot can happen, but I think that AJ is showing that he's going to be ready to really rule the roost pretty soon at 145 for Bellator. Yeah, I think so too. And what's cool is that there's a lot of guys around the same age, you know, um, Adam, Adam Borsch that just got a big win, obviously James Gallagher. I mean, the list goes on of these young guys where there's a lot of intriguing matchups for sure. Um, but I just think that that fight with James, I mean, there's a lot, there's real tension there. So of course that could be, you know, a Nate Diaz Connor kind of buildup. Um, so we'll see if Bellator wants to, you know, have these two guys trash talk and, and build a nice fight. I mean, that, I'm with it. I'm on board for that one, for sure. Um, I want to acknowledge this guy's fight real quick before we do our MMA news. Baby Slice, Kevin Ferguson versus Devin Brock. I had the pleasure of speaking with um, Slice. Very chill guy. I got to be honest, for a guy, you know, we see him with the hair, and I want to say I've seen pictures of him with the grill and stuff like his dad. Very, very reserved, quiet guy, but clearly turns into a beast in the cage. What did you think of his fight? Yeah, well, if you guys haven't checked out G's interview, I really enjoyed it. I loved how you guys discussed some of his other passions like photography. And was there, did he go to school for fashion too? I know you said that he yes, like signed. He did. Wait, so it wasn't photography then? Yeah, like a split. Um, I want to okay, say yeah. kind of like a double major, I want to say. Yeah, that was real nice to like, you know, hear about another side of him and get to know him a little bit better. But yeah, regarding the fight, I mean, he's got power. He was really calm and patient in there. What I loved how he, you know, broke down his fight saying, hey, man, you know, uh, Devin Brock was taking all my hits and I could tell I wasn't going to be able to put him away that way. He's just too tough that, um, you know, I had to, to eventually take his back. But I liked how he was patient in there to look for that opening to event, eventually capitalize and get that rear naked choke. Um, I think that he's, again, another guy that, you know, is is new to the game in Bellator, but obviously has a lot of potential. Um, same in Devin Brock, too. You know, a new guy that faced Conry Gracie before and looked nice. So, it, it's cool. It's exciting to see these new millennial fighters making these uh, flashy finishes and flashy fights for us to enjoy. What did you think? I, I could have watched them fight for another 10 minutes. It was getting good. Devin was coming forward. Kevin was throwing down. 
Um, I think that he just showed he's got some power, just like his pop. But that ground game, I think he surprises a lot of people because they expect him to just come out and want to, you know, beat you down with your fist. But he's got a very competent ground game for a new guy. And I think you're seeing that he's only growing as he continues. So I, I think they're building him well. I think he's representing himself and his legacy well. I always say this about him. He gets so many questions, and I can't imagine what it must be like to always have to answer that about his father. Yeah. He takes it in stride, and he really balances it in a way that I'm very impressed with because I don't think a lot of people would be able to the way he does. So I think that just shows why he's one of the top up-and-comers for Bellator. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a very good point. Um, we also have some MMA news and we're also going to discuss briefly the ultimate fighter before we give you our predictions for this Saturday's fight night in Atlantic city. First off the professional fighters league announced their roster and schedule. So they're going to be 11 events in 2018. The first one on June 7th from Madison square garden. So here's the way it works. They have several weight classes, just like regular MMA and the way it works is every fighter will compete twice and they earn points. They earn three if they win, one for draws. They get additional points if they get stoppages, like three points for a first round, two points for second, etc. At the end of the regular season, the top eight fighters in each division will then be in a playoff where the winners move on to the next round. It all ends on New Year's Eve. Where the winner will compete for a million, where the winners in each weight class will compete for a million dollar grand prize. There's a lot of big names on the roster, but I'm gonna toss it to Miss Kayla Beatty. What do you think of the new system in place for the PFL? I mean, just the way you described it, it's so exciting. It's unique. It's a chance for people to get paid pretty nicely, so you know they're they're gonna be competing and and really hungry for that. I really enjoy the fight, uh, the point system too. I think giving that extra incentive of, hey, if you want to go for that first round finish, you get an additional point or an additional three points. You know that we're going to, you know, like there's, there's just so the way that it's um, been organized, we're going to get exciting fights. There's no way that you can't. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really exciting. I, I've, Again, you were kind of going over the list. I know we might go over a couple of names here, but some veterans of the sport definitely added to the PFL roster. I think it's cool. I know a lot of people are, um, are a little hesitant to get behind something like, you know, a fighter's league and, and having a season, but I think it's a cool idea, and I think that the way that they're executing, it, it has potential for sure. And I love that the last fight is going to be on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, what better way to go into 2019 than with a million dollars in your pocket, right? <laughs> Baller. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, shoot, like, hey, y'all, I'm paying for drinks this year. <laughs> but um, really, just uh, I like how you said it. It's very well incentivized. Look, at this stage, you're not going to compete right away with UFC and Bellator. I like that they're not trying to do that. They have their thing and they're sticking to it, I think it makes for a very fun season. I think um, some of the names, just to go over, you got UFC vet Jake Shields, uh, former Bellator champion Will Brooks. You got names like Brandon Halsey and Marcus Galvao, who've done work um, in Bellator and other leagues. 
you got a good set of guys who are going to be able, who are known for putting on a show. Um, so I think that all that together is going to make for a good addition. I think that they're going to have their own spot in the MMA market, and it's just about promotion and timing. If you're not going head-to-head with Bellator or what have you, you're probably going to be able to have a very solid following if these fighters are going out there to put on a show like we're expecting. Is there anyone on the roster that stands out to you that you think is going to do well or that you think you're just ready to see him or her compete? I mean, I think Jake Shields, just because I've kind of been paying attention to what's been going on with the, in the grappling world. And I know he's been active uh, competing there and, and been doing well. So that's probably the first name that pops out. But um, researching some of the fighters, I mean, yeah, a lot of these guys are former champions um, you know, wrestling champions. Um, we have a guy too. Who was the guy last night that I was looking up? Just um, who is it? Rashid, mom. Rashid Magomedov. <laughs> yeah, like he has an interesting backstory. Um, yeah, it, very very exciting. We have some Sambo world champion bronze medalist. Um, they're yeah. the, they definitely stacked it with guys that are are experienced and and gonna give us a good fight i agree i'm looking forward to it i think um look uh june 7th it's already coming up a little under two months so i'm ready to go i think it's going to be a nice welcome addition to the mma landscape i think that's really the big picture i got it looks like they took the time to really stack this deck as well as you can knock is they don't have any fights on the west coast but maybe next season Exactly. Hey, you don't know. Maybe New Year's Eve, we hang out, we enjoy the fights, we hang out with one of these million-dollar winners, and they pay for our drinks. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like I like your uh, ideas here, G. Good um, game plan. Hey, I do too. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're going to have a little bit of tough talk. Kayla, I really enjoyed talking about The Ultimate Fighter last season with you. We went... <laughs> Back and forth on the Eddie versus Lauren drama. Oh we God. talked about would Kareem Javorgian and Rachel Ostovich ever find true love after their kiss in the house? It was Keep very... drinking, G. I am. Come on. <laughs> Why do you always want to take that away from me? <laughs> all right. But, um... On to the next season. But the, I like less. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, undefeated, it is season 27. You guys already know Team Stipe Miasic against Team Daniel Cormier. All the fighters are boasting undefeated seasons. The They have 145 and 155 fighters. Kayla, I mean, initial thoughts. First off, what do you think about the coaches that they brought in? Because it was a very interesting cast for both guys. Yeah, I really like the coaches they brought in. Um, I Love that we're getting just um, a better insight on DC and Stipe too. But, you know, obviously DC has some trouble with fans getting behind him. And I think hopefully this will give shine a better light where people can see his personality, see him as a coach, because he seems like, you know, that's just a role that um, he will take on well. Hopefully this can, you know, just get people more familiar with their personalities and, and build up their fight. If it doesn't need any more buildup, obviously people are super excited about two champs going, you know, at it. But as far as their teams, I think it's really interesting that we're getting to see Kane Velasquez in there. And 
it's really interesting just to see where he's like where his current state is. I mean, obviously he's coaching, so we're not really getting a super, you know, in-depth inside of where he's at, but like just interesting to see him in there drilling. And I wonder who's watching who. Is Kane watching Stipe? Is Stipe watching Kane? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot going on there, but um, yeah, as far as the first episode, both guys look like they're going to be great coaches, very dedicated to their team. Um, what were your initial, what was your first initial reaction with the show? I want to know what happened at the water cooler. Like, Stipe's getting some water, Kane walks <laughs> over, and they just have that eye contact where, like, you know that belt is mine. And then <laughs> they just got to walk away, and it's like, oh, I, I want to see it. Um, I got to say, initial thoughts, I'm, uh, I want to bring light to this because I think it's going to be something that people don't realize. When they put together the fight between DC and Stipe, DC actually called Stipe to say, hey, I'm not doing this super fight unless we're both getting paid. And as right. soon as they both knew, like, oh, yeah, for sure, they're giving me a good deal. They're giving me a good deal. Okay, now it's on. I think that says a lot, about, a lot about the respect and just the appreciation. They both seem like nice guys. I think that DC is going to um, be juvenile, but he's not going to create real heat. I think right. he's just going to tease Stipe. Is that going to still be charming and entertaining in week 10 of this show? I don't know, but I can't <laughs> say it's already different, you know, for starters. I think that it says a lot. Stipe isn't from a big team, so he had James Krause, other tough veterans who know how the house and the competition works. I think that's a good move. DC, he brings in his A-team. Javier Mendez and Cain Velasquez, a lot of star power. You got to think, um, I watched uh, the Tough Talk with Ken Bryan and Michael Bisping, and DC was like, you're not going to change these guys' game. You're essentially going to keep them in shape and give them a few pointers. He has a team of guys who are very good at doing that in a training camp at AKA. So I was very impressed. Um, we got introduced to Joe Giannotti and John Gunther. Um, I got to say that I didn't know you could pursue alpaca shaving for a career, but <laughs> it, I always say this. I haven't seen everything. I have seen a little <laughs> bit, and I got to say that shocked me. But to each their own, John, if that is what sets your soul on fire i am glad you have found it I'm just, I'm just picturing your your facial expression when that scene came up and it made me laugh i, I remember it's like is this seriously a thing like <laughs> is he messing with us and he actually works at costco this is just what he did a video for so they would stand out on this audition <laughs> um but like i said like if that's his jam i'm glad he found it Joe, um, story of being bullied and getting in shape for training, and now he's a pro fighter. Uh, look, I'm always behind something like that. So, very interesting, guys. The 30-second submission, Kayla, what did you think about that? Or 17, yeah. I think it might be. You know, I, I thought that it's funny. I watched it with my roommates, and two of the girls, you know, will watch fights um, when her boyfriend watches it. And now that I'm in the house, like, they've been watching more, too. But... They like they love a good reality TV show, and when the fight was finished and the episode was done, they were like, "That's it." And I feel like we now have them hooked on tough. It only took twenty seven seasons for them to, you know, hear about the show. But 
Good job, I, Kayla. I think what it, <laughs> thank you. I think what it was too is just both guys had such great stories that definitely got you know the girls invested. John Gunther to me, I don't know why, like the way him and defeat was just the most endearing thing to me. The way that he kind of just had this look on his face where he's like, man, I wanted to fight more. Darn. Like his reaction <laughs> was just so endearing. And I, I, I almost hope that he gets a second chance. You know, I don't know if they're going to play along with the usual things they'll do with, uh, with other seasons. Um, but his reel of, of, coming back from that one fight i know they showed like two or three of his fights yeah is real of coming back when you know it looked like he was done because that's another thing i don't know if we mentioned too if you're not familiar all of these fighters are undefeated this season but he obviously has some fight in him and some skills there so it was a little disappointing that you know unfortunately joe just knew to use that length and get that 30 second submission standing guillotine um, super impressive, but yeah, I really like both guys' stories. I hope we get to see John perform in there, or maybe his charm will get him a shot on the finale fight night. Who knows? Um, what did you think about the finish, though? I'm still distracted by John's mustache, to be honest. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know you touched on it. It was it's a very epic mustache, almost <laughs> as epic as his job. Um, look, it's very hard to evaluate it. Joe, look, it, it was a two-move fight. Um, they felt out for a second. John went for the takedown. Joe got the finish. Um, I think it's it's kind of hard to evaluate. Obviously, the next guys are going to push Joe's skills more. But hmm. for right now, clearly good sense of awareness and just presence of mind to use the space. So I think it's going to be a fun season. If all of them really perform like that, you're in for a good show, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, we can make this a thing for the next few weeks. We'll spend a few minutes talking about tough. It's certainly, you know, part of the game, and I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, we get an insight on the big super fight happening in July, too. But, Kayla, it is now time for the main event from <laughs> UFC Atlantic City. The lightweight collision between Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee. Both guys coming off fights against big names. Um, Edson to Habib, Kevin to Tony Ferguson. This one, winner probably just cements their place in the top five. What are your predictions for this fight? Yeah, so both coming off big um, losses. Kevin against, or you just said it, Tony and Khabib. Um it's going to be interesting because I, I would think that both men, you know, learn from each fight, but I think that they were also in like weird circumstances with their last fights, because I think Edson just faced someone who most people haven't been able to figure out once he gets you to the ground. He's just so powerful, obviously our current champ now. Um, and then with Kevin, I'm, I'm very curious to see how he performs. Not that I want to take anything away from Tony Ferguson's performance, but, you know, Kevin Lee was open later in explaining that he had staph infection. Um, I think some weight cutting issues with that. So he just wasn't, you know, 100%. And um, I feel like I was trying to find footage so I could rewatch that fight. And unfortunately, I couldn't. But um, I remember. Fight Pass. I'm sorry? It wasn't on Fight Pass. Oh, I no, I feel like I looked on Fight Pass and couldn't find it. Huh. All right. Never mind. Go ahead. But I had, like, read up a little bit on it. And from what I remember, I don't remember 
Kevin, I remember him having moments and obviously using his wrestling and being a little bit dominant there. But of course, Tony Ferguson, just, you know, submission expert. Um, I would, I would hope that, you know, he kind of focused on that part of his game too, of like, Hey, you know, you're pretty dominant on the ground already. Maybe work on that, that submission um, game as well. And I feel like that's kind of what we're going to see with this fight too, because who wants to stand and strike with Edson Barbosa? <laughs> And Edson Barbosa, I don't know if it was uh, since his fight with Khabib or maybe it was before that, but he's been training over with Frankie Edgar in New Jersey. So he kind of has a home away from home, hometown advantage and has been, you know, obviously training alongside someone who has superior wrestling. Yeah, I want to say Edson's been up there. I want to say Frankie brought him in um, the first time to prepare for Jose Aldo. Okay. Yeah, they've been up there. I, I think they collaborate occasionally. I don't think he spends like every camp there, but um, they have a good relationship in Jersey. I mean, to me, the key is uh, Kevin Lee using the hands to set up the takedowns. I think he has very crisp boxing. What I liked about the fight with Tony Ferguson, he was able to get in there behind his hands and then put forward pressure. I think he could do the same against Edson. For Edson, he's going to really have to figure out, he's going to have to get his jab going first. He's going to have to create his space because he does not have any weapons outside the mid-range. He needs you there so he can set up his kicks, go use his Muay Thai to set up his punches and finish with the leg kick. If Kevin is too close to him, it really takes away a good percentage of his striking game. And then I think Kevin, he's not Habib Nurmagomedov, but he's got good enough wrestling to keep Edson down for a while. So it's all about movement for Edson, forward pressure if you're Kevin Lee. I personally am favoring Kevin. He's a young guy. He's only like 25 years old. I looked at this. He is the youngest guy in the top 10. I think he's got a lot of skills and room to grow, and I can't imagine he hasn't since the fight with Ferguson. I think stylistically, he just has a lot of weapons that pose problems for Barbosa. So I think it's going to be good. It's going to be an interesting one. What about you? Who's your pick? Oh, and I'll say this. Um, uh, fourth round submission. Third or fourth round submission for Lee. For Lee. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's going to take some time for him to, like you said, um, you know, close that distance with, with Edson Barbosa. But I think that I'm also in favor of Kevin Lee. Um, I, I think, yeah, I'm thinking that it's going to be, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, probably submission too. I'm going to say, yeah, maybe in like the third, I don't know if it'll go into the, you know, later championship round or not championship, but just later main event rounds. But um, I, I definitely see him finishing in the third and on the ground. Did you see G did you see the video of him um, doing open workouts and where he let a fan kick him, do some body kicks? I did not. I missed that. <laughs> Check out MMA junkies Instagram. It's pretty cute. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they're, they're two good guys. I mean, yeah. Uh... Uh, oh, the most important question, Kayla. Um, what do you think Kevin is going to say about Edson Barbosa's mom? That she's a lovely woman. If uh, he has the chance to meet her, he'll grab her hand and give her a kiss and say, nice to meet ya. Um, No, that's why I brought that up, G, is you think I'm such a hater on Kevin Lee, but I am liking him more and more. I think he seems like 
a fun guy and he's young. So if he wants to have a little fun and, and trash talk, you know, more power to him. But I personally am becoming a bigger fan. I thought that his response to, um, you know, Conor McGregor's antics was hilarious and pretty on point. And then I found him even more endearing after these uh, fan body kicks and his open workouts. So I'm, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of him for sure. All right, for fans who don't know, the running joke since last year is that Kayla and I are divided on whether or not Kevin Lee actually did say something about Michael Chiesa's mama that led to their little altercation. Kayla says he did. I say he didn't. But, you know, the truth is apparently somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Um, really just, uh, look, he's a young guy. I don't think he's got maliciousness in his heart. He is actually a family guy too. Um, I remember one of the embeddeds or countdown, he had his mom with him in Vegas. So yeah, look, he's, he's just trying to do his thing and make his name. Um, I think that got blown out of proportion, but yeah, I don't think there's any maliciousness there. Like put it this way. Do you remember that old MTV show? Yo mama. Oh, it sounds familiar. What was like with Wilmer Valderrama and they had the two guys do like roast each other for 15 minutes each with your oh mama joke. I probably saw like a couple of episodes. Yeah. And it was like, man, it's not like it even got that bad. That's what it felt like when <laughs> Kevin did not say that. But I know Kayla feels a little differently. <laughs> but no, um, look, it's all in good fun. I think it's going to be it's a great main event. And this is a very important one for the top five. Um, I will say this. I think the winner of this one gets Eddie Alvarez just on the rankings. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that does. Moving on to the co-main event. We have two of our favorite guys in the UFC. Frankie Edgar taking on Cub Swanson. Frankie Edgar won in, I want to say, 2014 via fourth round neck crank. Um, obviously coming off that, both of them off losses to Brian Ortega, Cub Swanson signed a new UFC deal. Kayla, what are your thoughts on the co-main event? Woo! Oh man, I rewatched their fight this morning. It is exhausting to watch. I mean, one thing I have to say is, I mean, it was a more dominating performance for Frankie. You know, if you remember what, from the second to the fourth, he just... What did it end in, the fourth or the third? I want to say it was the fourth by neck crank. Yeah. That's the one where Frankie Edgar just, the wrestling really just took it, ran away with it. And and just also, you know, the pace and the activity of being on top. And like, you know, a lot of the broadcast was saying is he, you have guys that'll just smother someone on top but not do work. He was relentless, just like. It's a great fight to rewatch, but I have to say, you know, I was very impressed with both guys' um, conditioning. I mean, it didn't. It. I think the first three rounds, both guys looked like they were just starting the first the first round of the fight. I mean, Cub, after all of that wrestling and defending, and then Frankie putting in that work. I mean, both guys didn't even look tired until the fourth. So, um, I think that this is the perfect time for them to rematch if we're going to have that rematch. And there's a few reasons why. Obviously, Cub, we've seen him evolve. He's been open. He told me in an interview how he's learned from those, you know, two hard losses to where he's not going to just sit there and and be in denial that he had to work on his game. So we've seen him evolve. Obviously, get fight of the year. You know, I love bringing up that fight. 
Um, Every time you can. <laughs> and um, but yeah, and I and that's what's exciting is Frankie Edgar too. You know, he's he's uh, they're they're just smart in the game. They're experienced and they're growing with the sport. And that's what I appreciate is we're getting guys that you know are black belt jujitsu. Uh, you know, just well-rounded all over. So I think, but where the, why I think this is a great time for them to rematch is one, I want to see how Cub will go into this fight differently and see if it plays out differently. But two, they're also both coming off of a loss from the same dude. So you know that they're both just kind of probably going to take it out on each other thinking about Brian Ortega's dreamy blue eyes. Um, but I just think that it's, <laughs> I think it's a great uh, rematch for them. I think it's also a little interesting that Frankie is taking this fight, um, you know, on the earlier side than people expected him to take it. But I, I rewatched too. Um, I think I rewatched the full fights or maybe highlights. But um, I have to say that I think that Cub performed better against Brian. So I, I want to note that, too, that if he was able to stand in there and I feel like had moments of going after the body shots with Brian Ortega and using, you know, his unorthodox striking, whatever, um, uh, it, it's just interesting to see because I think that can be a testament to that he has evolved in his game and his technique. Well, I don't need to provide any more analysis. We'll be no, back next <laughs> week. because... <laughs> Break down how you see this fight going. No, um, yeah, well, I mean, of course, Cub Swanson did a little better. He made it into the second round. Um, <laughs> you don't mind my saying. Look, uh, man, both of these guys are just so freaking good. Um, they got so many sets of weapons. They got veteran experience. They don't go down easy. You really got to hit them with something and the kitchen sink to put them away. <laughs> um, uh, the meat to keep the. Key to me is Frankie Edgar on short notice, um, or, you know, relatively speaking, he did just have that fight in March where he got stopped for the first time um, in his career with that knockout to Brian Ortega. Is he taking, I said it, is he taking it a little bit because of ego? Is he really just eager to get back in there and he doesn't feel like he took a lot of damage? That to me is going to be the key because if he can't, take the shots he's a very durable guy if he can't eat those and keep on coming like usual it's a very different fight against a tough powerful striker who brings it like up swanson so i think that to me is really going to be part of it the second thing though is that stylistically they have gotten better but at the end of the day it's the two same guys frankie with his sharp footwork and boxing getting in and using his wrestling I can't say if I feel like Cub Swanson has gone to the point where he's consistently going to be able to stop Frankie Edgar. And I think that's going to be the part of it. Can he counter Frankie? Can he keep him on the outside and make Frankie hesitant to close the distance? Because if not, I think it could be a very similar fight to the first one. I think it's going to be about has Cub Swanson improved his footwork to not get um, crowded? And for Frankie Edgar... Can he take the shots he needs to to get his hands on Cub Swanson? Um, in terms of a prediction, though, I really am favoring Frankie Edgar. I feel like with Mark Henry and his team, he wouldn't be taking this fight unless he genuinely felt like he was ready to go. And I think the wrestling is still that X factor. I think that Cub hasn't had to fight someone 
as willing to take him down as much as Frankie is going to. So I think that could be the key to the fight, even if Cub Swanson is fighting well. What about you? Yeah, this one's so hard to predict. And it's even hard to predict of like how each other would take, you know, how they'd finish the fight. Because like you said, they just have so much, um, you know, skill level to their game. Right now, I don't know, something's telling me that Cub's going to just go in there and, and be able to find an opening like a Brian Ortega and be able to put him away. I think that it's going to be, I'm saying Cub maybe in the third by KO, TKO. You think he's just going to catch Frankie coming in? Yeah, well, I don't know, G. This is too hard to predict. I'm just going to go with that. That's what my gut's saying. That's why we have a podcast, to figure (laughs) out the hard things for other people. All right, well, if you want to place your bets off of my gut feelings, that's what it is. Cub in the third. Cub in the third. I think that Frankie... um takes a decision this time. I think Cub defends, but he's not able to get the enough going. But um, it's a good fight. I think it's going to be a great co-main event. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff. Um, what's his name? Aljamain Sterling taking on Brett Johns. That's a fun one. Um, Tiago Santos against, um, what's his name? Uh, why am I? Branch, I can... Branch from... Middleweight division, someone's going to sleep in that one. I'm mm. not going to lie. Tiago Santos has been a wrecking machine. Um, if I'm Branch, I hands up, chin down. There's a lot to look forward to on the card. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, Kayla, I have missed you. It's been so long since we've been on the air. What do you think of today's show? I thought it was a fun show. I almost like this uh, one day a week way we're doing things because we can just cover a lot and really get in and and dive in with these fights and predictions and news. What did you think? I think that it is too long in between, but I like that we just have an (laughs) extravaganza every week now. So definitely the heart grow fonder. Ah, thanks babe. But yeah, for all the fans who are now listening to us on Apple podcasts, who have left, um, given us five stars who leave us comments. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate the fact that you like that we're now moving to the platform. We like that you guys enjoy our analysis and the show. So thank you so much. We will be back next week and we're going to do more of the same. We're going to recap UFC Atlantic City and then we'll also preview Bellator. I want to say it's 198 Fedor versus Frank Mir. There'll be a lot of fun stuff. And of course, MMA news, maybe we'll preview some tough talk depending on what day of the week we air. But for right now, fans, thank you for listening. Kayla, where can everyone find you on social media? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you? Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV, and we'll be back next week.